when you're down and trouble and you need some love and care and nothing well nothing is going right close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson started the show in 2002. Since then, he's recorded over 1,100 shows featuring over 400 different guests, a literal who's who in bowling. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. Well, Phantom fans, this week's guest is one of the most decorated coaches in all of bowling. His resume puts him at the very top of all the great coaches out there, so it's no wonder He's a member of the Great Kegel Training Center. So let's learn more about him and get him out here. Here is Rick Weltsey. Hello, Rick, and welcome to the show. Hey, Phantom. It's a great honor to be here. I always love to hear from you, and I love your shows and what you do for the sport of bowling. Well, thank you very much, Pards. You know, we haven't re- recorded anything. Uh, I didn't know what you were going to say, so my face is all red. I'm embarrassed, but proud to know you too, my friend. <laughs> Speaking about knowing you, I, I've known you for several years, but honestly, I have never looked at your resume. Wow, you know, it, it looks like you have spent all your waking hours studying bowling. So let's get to know you better, starting with where did you start out in bowling and at what age? Well, fact, my grandfather took me bowling at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, where he used to have all the recreation facilities when I was eight years old. And uh, back then, the, the pin setters were those semi-automatic pin setters where you had to have a pin boy set the pins. So I was there with him by myself. The place was closed. He opened it up for us. And I had to go throw a shot and then go back in the pin area and set the pins back up. And I bowled a couple of games that way, and my grandfather figured out that I was really excited about bowling. I wouldn't have been willing to go back to the pins and do that, that every frame. And he gave me a, a new bowling ball, which was actually a used bowling ball. And I was totally thrilled. And I was hooked on bowling from that moment on. <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't know all that about you. In fact, there's going to be a lot that I'm going to learn about you, but I can tell one thing already. If we're going to start with you being eight years old, I can tell right now we're going to need to do more than just one show to tell our listeners about you. So, can you come back again next week for part two? Of course. Of course, I'll be happy to anytime. You know that. All right. That's great, Bards. I'll be looking forward to it. That way, I won't have to rush asking you a bunch of questions. I got them all written down here, so we'll go to what we can. So we talked a little bit about the, before the show started that you, you, you began at age eight with your grandfather, like you just said. And was he teaching you any fundamentals? or just letting you go out there and learn on your own? Well, at that time, he gave me a couple of tips, I believe, but he let me pretty much just go out there and have fun and enjoy myself. And uh, even though I didn't get much instruction then, 
just being with him and being in that building center, just the two of us, was a memory I'll always have in my life. And my mom and dad were also bowlers. I bowled in some family tournaments when I got back home uh, to Oklahoma, where I grew up. When I got back home, I found that they built a brand new bowling center just a couple of miles from my house. So that became my second home away from home was being at the bowling center. And I did almost every job in bowling you can do at a bowling center uh, there at my home center in Oklahoma City. <laughs> well, I assume that you got better with age and, and your average more than likely improved with your game as you got older. So if you would, tell us what you averaged as a teenager. Well, I was averaging up in the 190s as a teenager. And that time, uh, the high, I think the high average on the tour was 206, something like that. So I was a pretty good bowler back then, not tour ready, but certainly I was pretty accomplished and I had some good help. At age 15, I became a coach. And at that time, they didn't allow uh, anybody under a, under adult age to be a coach, but I, my proprietor got me into a AMF uh, instructor certification course and an AMF pro shop training course they were coached by legends Bill Bunetta and Bill Lillard, two legends and Hall of Famers in our sport. And boy, those two guys uh, further cemented my my desire to be a bowler and to learn as much as I could about the sport of bowling. Wow. So briefly, you told us that you went to work in the bowling center. Uh, I'm sure you did the concourse duties, picking up ashtrays and glasses and you picked up uh, the bathroom and did all kind of weird kind of things. So why don't you go ahead and name all the jobs you had in the bowling alley, if you can remember them all. Wow, that's a lot. I was a concourse boy, like you said, doing the cleanups and emptying ashtrays and, and dusting the lanes with a line of duster. Uh, I worked in the restaurant as a waiter at one time. I also learned how to be a mechanic or a great mechanic that I, I met at the bowling center there who took me under his wing and taught me how to work on AMF. 8230 machines. Eventually, I became uh, the manager, the desk manager. Uh, and I worked, uh, even when I went to college, I would come back on the weekends and manage the bowling center at night. I really loved it. And my proprietor was just really willing to let me do most anything I wanted to do there. And I learned everything I think there is to learn in bowling from that experience at that one bowling center. <laughs> and did you become the manager of that place too? Yep, I was the manager in the evenings. And uh, on weekends, we had, we had at that time, full league uh, schedules and, and waiting lists for open play. It was a great time in the sport of bowling. Uh, all you had to do was open the doors, and the bowling center made money like crazy. And uh, we had lots of enthusiasm. And the, the local house where I bowled at also became a PBA tour stop. So I got to experience the PBA tour firsthand by having that tour stop at our house. And, uh, of course, I got to work there during the tour and got to meet all, all the top players and uh, – that was really a, a thrill, again, that kept me focused on the sport of bowling and wanting to learn as much as I could about it. Was that Oklahoma City? It was at Planet Bowl. Yeah, do you remember that stop? I do remember it. Yes, I go back a little ways, Parge. Uh, I'm a lot older than I look. You know, you, you probably think I'm about 35, but I'm a little older than that. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I remember about that tour stop was that the local dealership, the Chevrolet dealership, gave the, the professionals a brand new Chevrolet Impala and a driver, and they picked them all up at the hotel and dro drove them to the front of the bowling center and dropped them off like celebrities on the red carpet at uh, the Academy Awards. It was just amazing. And uh, well, it was quite a thrill to see how good the pros were and how well they were treated by our center and the community and uh, just to watch the best of the best in action. So what year was that? Do you remember? 
I think it was in the, uh, I think it maybe was 1965 or four or something around there. I don't remember exactly, but it was, I was still a pretty young kid and uh, still wide-eyed uh, and, and in awe of all the sport of bowling. And uh, like I said, the, the stop we had, it's a 24-lane house, but it was a great event and uh, I'll never forget it. You know, so we jumped a little bit ahead back and forth there for a second. Uh, I, I butted in because I asked you a bunch of questions about what you did at the bowling center and you said everything, even manager, and that you said you did a little bit of coaching uh, and then you said that you were lucky to meet uh, Bill Lillard and Bill Benetta. Was that after you uh, became a coach or did you learn from them? I learned my coaching course from them and my pro shop course from them. Uh, at the same time, we had a, they combined the courses at our bowling center. They came out to our place in Oklahoma city and taught the courses there. And that's when I first became a, a certified coach at age 15. And I learned also how to drill bowling balls. Of course, back then we didn't have any cores and cover stocks like we do now, but I learned the basics of fitting and drilling from those guys back then. Well, let me tell you, I've been around a little bit, and those two, there weren't two better than them anywhere in the world. Uh, Bill Benetta, you know, and, and Bill Lillard, yeah, those guys were the best. Absolutely, and they also just really uh, presented themselves as professionals in every way. They were uh, polite and proficient and uh, knowledgeable and just really, they had a good sense of humor when they taught. Uh, everything you want in a, in a coach or an instructor, they represented that to me. And they, they just made me realize that these were the kind of guys I wanted to model myself after. Yeah, you know, later on, when I retired from the PBA at one time back in the 80s, uh, I was a tournament director for the Western Region. And Bill Benetta, he would bowl every one of them. He'd come in every other weekend and bowl with his wife. And he could go down and practice. And he'd come up and he'd shake hands with everybody. And just the amateurs that were practicing before the Pro-Am even started, he'd walk around and volunteer his services. This guy probably could have got $100 an hour back in those days, but he gave it away. He was just a wonderful guy. As time went by and he became the, the host of this radio show, I interviewed uh, Bill Lillard and all the guys had told me, if you ever interview Lillard, they'll never take any credit. And, you know, so I started asking him some questions, and not once did he take any credit. He'd always, you know, uh, pass it off to somebody else carried him in a doubles tournament, or the, the team bowled better. Yeah, they didn't need him, and he would always be like a Matagor, you know, <laughs> and give everybody else their credit. What a humble man. You're right. He, that, he was so nice, so helpful. I got to meet him again at the uh... – Hall of Fame induction ceremony one time, and uh, I reminded him about him coaching me when I was a kid. He actually sent me a letter, uh, a handwritten letter on Hall of Fame stationery after I got to meet him, and just in follow-up, a really nice guy, and I had that letter still to this day. Well, I bet you do. <laughs> so I got a question about each one of those guys for you. Uh, is there anything that you remember vividly that they taught you that you still use to this day? Oh yeah, there are so many things, but Bill Bonetta, uh, a couple of things he taught me. One, he he was very uh, careful to be uh, have a sense of humor when he taught, to make people laugh, to make them enjoy the class, enjoy the learning process. 
And that was one of his skills was really to be uh, a very competent teacher, but also somebody who could really keep the met the mood light and fun and and make people enjoy it. As far as bowling, he he said, let it happen, be loose and free, relax. Uh, I think those are still things that apply to the game today. And he was one of the ones that really developed a, a really good a fitting process, uh, pitch techniques and so forth. So I learned a lot in the pro shop course from him as well about taking care of the human hand and, and fitting the hand just right and some of the techniques he learned and still work today, in my opinion, as well. You know, uh, when he would come into practice on Friday, the day of the Pro-Am before a regional tournament, he would always have his wife with him. And they'd go down and bowl for maybe an hour or two. And then she'd come up, and she had all the score sheets, and she had a whole pile of score sheets with her. I said, what are you carrying all those around for? She goes, well, those are all the 300 games he had. Oh, really? She says, yeah, he's got 350 of them now. I said, what? This is back in the 80s. And she says, oh, when he repractices, if he gets 12 in a row, we count that as a 300. <laughs> she was a character. <laughs> yes. Well, the tip I got from Bill, Bill Lillard, I didn't mention that one to you. Bill was, if you remember, had a very explosive delivery and a very powerful release. But the way that that was achieved, in my opinion, and what he taught us in the class was just all about rhythm and the approach. And that's one of the things I think that has been left out of a lot of coaching books and, and coaching techniques is the rhythm of the approach. And Bill, Bill Lillard had a really solid rhythm. It was a very clear rhythm in the approach, and it ended with a very explosive finish and powerful delivery. But that all came, in my opinion, from the fact that he had this rhythmic footwork in the approach. And the other thing that just stuck in my mind forever with Bill Lillard was just the fact that he was a true gentleman. So was Bill Bunetta. They both were. And just the fact that how they conducted themselves, like you said, they were humble, uh, as well as being the best of the best. They didn't let it get to their head. They they were just everyday nice guys throughout their careers. And that, that means a lot, I think. Very few people uh, are able to achieve that nowadays, in my opinion. Oh, number one, first-class citizens all the way. You know, yes. that probably gave you a, a little bit of an edge when you went to work for Kegel because here you are walking into Kegel and uh, there's a couple of gold coaches there, you know, Randy and Del Warren. And uh, and since that time, you've become a gold coach yourself, right? That's right. I, I'm happy to say that I have. I worked hard for that. And uh, it's something I, I'm, I'm happy about. But, you know, you, you learn more every single day with every single student. So you never stop being in training as a coach. You never stop and say, well, I've, I've made it. I'm a gold coach now. You have to keep on learning every day. That's what it's all about. So you never can stop doing that, in my opinion. And that's another thing that Mr. Bunetta, Mr. Lillard, and the guys I work with, the fabulous coaches I work with here at Kegel, uh, Del Warren, Randy Stoden, Ruben Garagosian, uh, they all are constantly learning, and we learn from each other. So it's just a, a, a great place to work because of that. Uh, I have the best coaches in the world to, to interact with every day, and that just makes me a better coach, and uh, I am uh, very thankful for that. You know, it's kind of ironic because before we, I even tuned in uh, to, the, to the radio program today, I went and checked the Kegel site, and there you were, live and in color, giving a lesson to some girl, I think it was. I, I wasn't paying that much attention, but she was pushing it away into this stick thing that you had, and making sure that her push away was right. That's a new tool you guys got, right? 
Yeah, that's a tool that we uh, we developed here at Kegel. Uh, Alexander Gurkov from Russia was the guy who developed most of our coaching tools, which we do have available on our website here, and that was called the Arrow. And it's got about 26 or 27 uses, and, we, and we're always finding a brand new use for it uh, every once in a while. And I was using it today to make sure that the ball placement was in the right direction, not away from the body, and not having the swing go behind the back. And that's a great tool for doing that. And it has many other uses as well. But you can put it out there in the lanes and let the bowler uh, experience it. And I can walk back to the settee area, and that device is out there every shot for, to guide them in their ball placement and to guide them in the direction and everything that they should be performing. So it's a great tool. Uh, it gives the coach a little bit of uh, constant you know, instruction on the lanes about you actually having to be out there on the deck. Yeah, that's awesome. They got some really good tools down there. You know, I'm looking at the old clock on the wall. I got about 10 more questions for you, but as I mentioned earlier, we're not going to have time to get that today. But I do want to point out one thing. Uh, you got a couple of degrees from college, right? Can you tell us about them? Yeah, in college, I uh, I studied. I started out studying engineering, but I realized that wasn't really my field. And so I I switched to something I always loved in high school and, and in college and to this day, and that's psychology, uh, human behavior. So I, I focused on that, and uh, then I went on to graduate school and studied some uh, areas of organizational behavior, uh, group psychology. So that has, I think, been helpful to me because, you know, of course, bowling has a lot of mental uh, aspects to it. And so that aspect of my training and my background, I think, really helps me be sensitive to those kind of things as well as the physical game. I try to really focus on helping people practice and get get their mind around their mental game as well. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I've seen this before uh, up close and personal. My best friend I grew up with, Billy Hardwick, he, he was a top player in California, and he got together a bunch of sponsors, and he went on a tour, and he went 0 for 17. He never cashed. And so he came home, and everybody says, what are you going to do now? You know, you got to get a job. He says, I'm going to work on my game, and I'm going to go back out there and beat him. And the next year, he's bowler of the year. So there's a sign of a mental game that was just unbelievable. He had the mind of a, of a genius. So there's nothing like that mental game being the number one thing in your in your tool bag. Absolutely. I think also what he, he epitomized was being patient and persistent. He came back, and instead of giving up, he just redoubled his efforts. He persisted. He kept working at the game. And that's what it takes to be a lead performer in any any area of endeavor, I think, is just that patience and that stick-to-itiveness or that persistence to keep on going forward. Uh, one of our company mottos here at Kegel is, be better today than yesterday. It doesn't say how much better, but if we're a little bit better today than we were yesterday, it doesn't take long for us to really make a lot of progress in the right direction. Well, I'll tell you what, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's a thing that was going around when I was in high school. They said that if you had a penny – and you doubled it tomorrow, and then you doubled it the next day, after 30 days, you'd have over a million dollars. Well, it took me about 10 times to add it all up, but, you know, if you keep adding to it, it's going to get better and better and better, no matter what it is. That's right, and that's what I think our sport is all about. You know, nobody, I don't think, fully masters bowling, but that's what's so exciting about it. There's always something you can do to get better, and there's always some technique uh, that you might want to try to get better. A good example of that, I think, is Norm Duke who lives here in Florida, he is, we have a little joke. He says he's tried everything in bowling to get better because that's his, his career, his livelihood. And I'm always trying to find something he hasn't tried yet. And so far I've not found anything he hasn't already tried and experimented with. So that's how intent he is on becoming the best player in the world. 
that's for sure. Well, Pards, I want you to come back next week. I'll call you. We'll line up an exact time to, to get this show on the air. We'll got part two. I'm dying to ask you a bunch of more questions. There's a lot more about your education that we want to point out. But the old clock on the wall tells me that we're out of time, and I can't believe how quickly the time flies in this show. And probably why they say it's the fastest show in all of sports. But we look forward to talking to you again next week. And then during the week, we're going to have another show before that that will come on the week after. So pay attention to Phantom Radio. We want to thank our sponsors, Brad Edelman from the High Roller and Storm Bowling Products, the number one bowling company in the world. And also to a shout out to our newest sponsor, Dave Kowalski. He's with Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper Auto Parts Stores. He's also the past president of the Michigan High School Bowling Coaches Association. So, Rick, I appreciate you being here. We'll talk to you again next week. So, for Phantom Radio, this is the Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I will